0: very interesting hey uh, gentlemen we're gonna take a slight detour here yeah. um staying on drugs however stay, staying on drugs and guillermo um sarms uh let's focus on sarms and, and uh, various peptides that um let's say athletes are taking bodybuilders are taking them talk first about sarms because i oddly enough i when i have my uh, i have my sports nutrition course young kids, you know, we're talking 18 to 20 year olds, I sort of gauge what people are talking about by the questions they ask me. And they've been asking me lately a lot about SARM. So give us sort of your bird's eye view of uh, of SARMs. Yeah, so SARMs
1: are a very interesting uh, a compound. So they're selective androgen receptor modulators that are going to be uh, target very, the androgen receptor kind of specifically. Um, and obviously, uh, androgens work on the androgen receptor primarily. There's different ways in which the androgens work, but the primary mechanism is through the androgen receptor. Um, and uh, what happens, though, is because there are androgen receptors in more than just muscle, there's androgen receptors in prostate, androgen receptors in all different parts. Whenever that's exposed, you're going to have different mechanisms of action that are going to occur when when uh, different tissues are um, are targeted with the different androgen receptors. So what happens with these SARMs, what you're trying to really do is trying to minimize the, the negative side effects of, of the anabolic steroid uh, by basically being selective in, in basically only going to the tissue that you really want it, which would be the skeletal muscle. So in theory, it sounds really good. Um, and uh, what, but what we're seeing now is, well, first and foremost, there's very few studies on the selected on the on the SARMs, so that we don't we don't have a lot of data on them in comparison to anabolic steroids, which which was researched, you know, mm-hmm. since the 30s. Uh, give give us the name. I'm
0: sorry, Germa. Give us the name of some popular SARMs that you might see, you know, being sold illegally or legally. Oh
1: gosh, there's a ton. I actually listed a few. So there there was a case study done on LGD 4043. There's RAD 140. There's LDG 4033. Uh, there's uh, pf06260414 the? uh, there is gsk2881078 so i mean there is there's there's really a and i'm just naming like a handful of them so oh my some god of these, uh, i mean there's there's so many right. of them that, that you may see out there uh and some are you know uh, like glaxo smith has that gsk1 uh which they did some initial investigations on and uh, all of this came about like in the late '90s, around uh, 90, 1997, 98, and then uh, over the last 20-ish years, there's there's been more and more. But of course, you can buy it on the internet, and uh, it, it's kind of like the, the the compounding pharmacy. So people people can can make them, you know, in essentially in a bathtub, <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and 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 make make some of these compounds, and then they sell them as research only. Uh, compounds. So it it actually says on the label when you buy them, it's like, hey, research only, but it's really research on yourself because there's no clinical research being done on this for the most part. The ones that are doing them are spending a pretty penny on them. And the reality is, is there's not a lot of good data uh, and significant amount of data to to kind of back up what they're doing. Now there are some potential clinical uses for some of these, which is where it, it, the investigation came about. So people with cancer, people with osteoporosis, people with sarcopenia—that's um, where it kind of came about for some of the clinical uses. Um, and and the reason for that is because again, it, when you're when you're using. Because it's selective, you're going to basically avoid but theoretically the negative side effects of the androgens, right? So if, if you're a female, for example, virilization is something that's going to be uh, something that you're concerned about unless you're trying to be a, you know a, a, a transgender, you know, mm-hmm. a female to male, right? That would be that would be a desired uh, side effect for those individuals. But uh, for most female athletes that want to remain female, you know virilization is something that's very real. Uh, so this is where the sarms kind of uh kind of ticks the box same thing with uh things such as like uh, maybe male pattern ba- male par- pattern baldness or maybe uh, uh prostate uh, components or uh erythrocytosis is something that you may want to uh look at with uh, which are side effects of the androgen uh when you're when you're utilizing it so that's why these 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 particular drugs uh were developed but as we're seeing some of the data, it's actually quite interesting. So first and foremost, I'm going to start with one recent study that was done in Australia where they actually looked at uh, Internet population of, hey, let me just see if I can buy SARMs off the Internet. And uh, they actually found like, yeah, you can buy it pretty easily. Um, and if I remember the data specifically, I read it this morning. Uh, it was something like there were over 130 compounds that were available. But ninety-four of them had uh, some some sort of contamination or other drugs in them. So so you you don't so you don't what's on the label is not necessarily what's on the label, or they may be laced with maybe another anabolic substance. So it might have a little bit of testosterone or a little bit of the androgen. So even though you're it's saying SARM, it, it does have the SARM in there, but the, the dosage that's in there is not necessarily the dosage that you're that you're getting, uh, and it may be mixed with other contaminants some of which may be helping you get the results you want and 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 still pro- getting some of the side effects and some of which may also be deleterious you know heavy metals and things of that of that nature um only about less than a third of them actually closer to like 20 percent of them were actually legit good compounds or they actually did the chemical analysis so so basically you know man it's not not a good number you know we're we're only you know uh, 80, 80% are not good. So that, that's a pretty big gamble where we're, uh, two out of 10 you're going to get are going to be um, you know the the, the good ones. Um, well, so Cameron, can I
2: just ask, I'm sorry, are they, are they delivered exclusively orally or are they injectable or they're just oral songs?
1: Most of these are oral, which is okay. kind of the other driving thing for them is that what, why it's, you know, sometimes in, injecting a substance, you know, uh, whether it's subcutaneously or intramuscularly can drive some people away. Uh, but even as we know, even with anabolic steroid use, you know, it sounds safer, quote unquote, to swallow a pill. Right. But we know that that actually causes the most deleterious side effects is right. that the orals are the ones that are going to be worse for you than the injectable. So in this regard, w- when we actually see some of the case studies, this is what we actually see. We see elevated uh, liver enzymes. So the ALTs, uh, you see uh, you see uh, the drug induced liver injury. Uh, In the literature, uh, in some of the case studies, uh, you may also see, you also see some of the deleterious effects in the uh, triglycerides are elevated, LDLs are elevated, HDLs are decrease over time. Uh, So you kind of see the same thing occur over time. Uh, Dr. Darren Willoughby actually published uh, a case study on on an individual that was using the uh, LGD4033 SARM. Uh, He was also stacking it with the MK677, which is, uh, which is a peptide, which is a a GH secretagogue. Um, So they were using both of those together. And then they basically saw, so they didn't prescribe that to the individual. The individual was just going to do that anyway. He just came into the lab and then they did pre and post testing on strength. They looked at body composition and they did it basically pre-cycle during the cycle, and then post-cycle. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, this individual did did gain lean body mass. Uh, they they gained body mass in general. They gained lean body mass. But interestingly, they also gained fat mass, actually quite a bit of fat mass at the same time. Uh, they did get stronger. And some of the literature on, on the SARMs actually doesn't necessarily show that people get stronger per se uh they, they they do gain the 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 lean mass and the body mass but they don't necessarily get stronger there's a couple of case studies that have also been published where individuals don't get stronger of course the the caveat to this uh case study was that they were also using the growth hormone secretagogue mm-hmm. so you don't know you know which is doing which
0: yeah. in this. Yeah. it Just is quickly.
3: still uh, i'm sorry edwin go on go on you know, one thing i've always been curious about when it comes to peptides and i think you alluded you kind of explained that maybe it's something else is the fact that they're oral and the very nature of a peptide of denaturation in an acidic exactly. environment how is it that if that these are able to even have an effect to even make it pass first pass get into circulation if because my understanding is most peptide bonds or most peptides themselves can't survive um at least without significant denaturation in the acidic environment
1: of like the 1.5 to 2 ph of the stomach I, i've never understood that yeah no it, it, it was surprising to me too when i read it because i mean it's not like it's got some sort of uh you know it's not like alkylated at the 17th carbon atom like these uh, other anabolics uh, are so which which allowed for that first pass uh kind of go through to, to be able to go through it um so i was surprised as well uh, but somehow they're getting through. So it may be that that the way that peptides are, are made that they're they're able to to pass through and, and get some of this uh, uh, some of the benefits uh, from there. But what I what what I will say is what we see over and over again is we see that we get basically I'm going to say uh, a, a small percentage of the benefits of anabolic steroids, but all the side effects. So it's, it's, it's really kind of like, like why, I mean, in in this particular case study, again, they gained total lean mass. uh, They gained, they gained body fat, but they lost bone mineral, uh, bone mineral content. They lost bone mineral density, the serum lipid biomarkers like cholesterol increase triglycerides, low density lipoprotein, uh, high density lipoprotein decrease LDL increase. So we see all of these different biomarkers uh, that occur. And then on top of that, it also messes with your HPTA axis. So afterward, now your testosterone levels are still at, in the pits. Your sex hormone uh, binding globulin is, is not where it should be. So you you actually have uh, you know, now your hypogonadal on top of that, which is what you would get with the with the androgen. Uh, so that's very uh to me, that's very alarming when you're actually seeing, I'm not gonna get as strong, I'm not gonna get as big. Uh, but I'm going to get all the side effects. So, so why use it? The only population where I see where it might be more enticing would be for the female athlete because uh, they're not going to they they are going to they're not going to get the virilization component of the anabolic steroid use, and they they may get some of the the effects of the. Uh, Gaining lean body mass, for example, so that you see a lot of athletes use use these in the female, uh, like the bikini circuit, Uh, you may you may hear them utilizing this quite a bit. Uh, But still, I mean, there's a lot more data on again, especially now with the transgender stuff like we actually know for females, like where the threshold is, if you're looking at the transgender literature. You can actually read information into at what dosages are these females becoming, you know, a a transgender male. Right. Uh, So you basically go to a dosage that's much lower than that before you're going to convert and seeing these these clinical manifestations take over. And then, you know, the literature on there, you know, you can monitor all of the blood biomarkers over time. Uh, Not only that, but the safety of the compound is going to be testosterone is pretty easy to get you can get pharmaceutical grade if you're working with a physician you can get that prescribed Um, and then you don't have to worry about um, you know what kind of contaminants are in there what kind of what kind of other substances are in there so it makes it a lot a lot easier to be able to monitor those biomarkers
0: yeah i'm still puzzled mechanistically why would at least in that case study you uh, gain fat mass and also lose bone mass
1: yeah it, it was very interesting and, and and the reality is is when when you read the discussion i mean we, we basically say we don't know uh <laughs> this is what happened like we need to there's some hypotheses that were postulated in there but but really there there's not not a lot of solid evidence uh in there uh one one uh one one did look at potentially like a the the the, the increased dosage over time may actually have like a like a negative feedback loop that may cause some of this over time uh, but really again i think it's all unexplored i don't think we really know enough which is which is why again the fda has not approved any of these drugs for any clinical application yet um and uh and and again we just have don't have a lot of evidence to to know you know how they work and how well they work uh, regardless we're, we're still seeing a ton of people selling this stuff a ton of people buying this stuff uh they're they're utilizing it um and some of them are including polypharmacy in them. I actually published a case, not a case study, uh, just recently in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, just at a local bodybuilding show. It was a survey looking at what kind of drugs they were using, what kind of uh, uh, dietary practices they were using for peak. Food. But anyway, one of the questions was, um, what, what are the drugs and what are the dosages that you're using? And I actually saw uh, both men and women report different types of, types of SARMs as one of the drugs. With appropriate dosages. And a lot, a few of them are are doing polypharmacy where they're using that in addition to maybe growth hormone or maybe even an androgen on top of that. So um, so you I mean the reality is is they don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it because you know somebody said so.
0: So in, so in summary, you can say that at least with androgens, and you know, there's a whole variety of androgens. I know there's a lot of data on testosterone and anthate, you have test sip and you have really a whole host of different anabolic steroids that you, with SARMs, you get a little bit of the benefit, just so I'm right, uh, just so I have it clear. But a lot of the side effects, in fact, the side effects tend to be much more pronounced compared to the typical androgens that you might take. Like for instance, the 1996 paper by Basin, Basin, um, 600 megs of testinanthate for 10 weeks, really, there were no side effects. So And they gain lean mass and strength, which is, and and that's without exercise, which I thought, you know, that's quite fascinating. So why people are always looking for something to replace androgens when I've always said, well, androgens are actually for a regular, for a healthy male, are actually quite safe. What do you think, doctors?
3: You mentioned something at ISSN, Dr. Escalante. Do you think you mentioned about when a patient doesn't have a a pharmacist, a physician who is understanding of this they tend to you know either try to go into other areas or because there's that stigma that they're getting do you think that that may be a piece of why Mm -hmm. as to they're always told androgen equals bad androgen equals bad but then they're like oh but this is sold over the counter it's over the counter it must be good or else it wouldn't be over the counter do you think that there's there's that mental game like well i'm not doing anything wrong because are wrong because everybody keeps saying even the doctor says so what are your thoughts
1: yeah, I think there's definitely a stigma with that. Which, which again, I mean, I wish there was more uh, education in in terms of. I mean, having them be a, a you know a, a class three controlled substance doesn't help. You know, I mean, it's it 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 just it has bad stigma all the way around, right? So uh, people are afraid to say anything about it. I mean, that's why most people deny it uh, because why would you say that you're taking an illegal substance? I mean, it's kind of like. Who's going to advertise that they do, you know, cocaine all the time, right? right. I mean, it's like, you're, you're probably not going to freely advertise that, right? And and, uh, and and that's the stigma that it has with some of these compounds. Um, and you're right. I think when people think of, well, I can buy it over the counter, that means it's, or I can buy it on the internet. I mean, you can buy the anabolics over the internet too, but I think some of these are a little bit easier to buy uh, than uh, some of the other anabolics uh, that that are available. So uh, there's definitely a stigma with a lot of these drugs for sure. We'
0: we're, we're uh short of time. So I wanted to get to this uh, Dr. Escalante, the the peptides that promote the secretion of GH um, effects on body composition, effects on performance in normal healthy males. go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that again with with all of these peptides, uh, there is some promising uh, literature on there, but again, at the end of the day, we're basically just trying to increase growth hormone levels, with one way or another, and then ultimately we want to basically in- increase insulin growth-like factor, uh, because that's basically the way all of these drugs work. But to me, it's like again, you're trying to kind of find, uh, you know, there's one, more than one way to reach to reach the 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 goal, uh, yeah. but why not find the most direct route? And and to me, again. If we have a lot of clinical applications in human growth hormone uh, that, that's been around for many years. Uh, we know what, what, the, how, what the dosages are. We know if it's a pharmaceutical grade type of human growth hormone, we know what we're getting. So um, I think, and we have a ton of clinical data on that with HIV patients, with with a lot of different clinical populations. So why are we going to mess around with some of these other ones where you're going to get, you know, again maybe the same effect? Uh, and but the re, you don't know the other potential side effects that may come with it, uh, or if it's even going to work because some of the trials it doesn't work on everybody. Uh, we we see some mixed literature as well. So for me, I'm always you know first look at what what is most research and has the most literature available on there, you know clinical data on there, and then you can make your decisions from there and utilize what 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 has been clinically documented. And to make, to drive your decisions. To me, that's going to be the best way about it because then you know what the side effects are. Uh, you know what those are just to utilize and, and you can um, just make better choices in that, in that regard.
2: So, yeah, Kierma, can I just ask too, and Edwin, um, quickly on this, because I know nothing about, you know, I'm not well versed on either, but this, it seems too that the cost of going the clinical route, the the well-established route is equal to buying the SARMs anyway. Am I right? Like it's not that expensive to utilize the testosterone as a therapy if you wanted, the pharmaceutical grade or the growth hormone. And um, the SARMs they're buying don't seem to be that cheap either. So why wouldn't you go the safer route and one that's probably has equal value as far as money goes and and a monetary investment?
1: Yeah, I think that The main thing comes down to, you know, uh, is the physician going to, no, no physician is going to be able to clinically prescribe substance X, even testosterone, unless you're a hypogonadal, for example, right? right? So, and so I think that becomes the issue is the the first biomarker. If you're a 22 year old kid who can't go to the doctor to get some of this, so you, you, what are you going to do? Okay. Uh, So then, you know, I would say if you're going to cross that bridge and the next step would be, you know, uh find uh uh as close to a pharma or that you can even find pharmaceutical grade uh sometimes you may have to do a little more digging of the actual compounds that you're going to find uh if not then you're going to have to resort to the underground labs but then now you're you have a you know that's a that's a pretty crazy game you don't know what you're getting at that point in time even though there are some legitimately uh underground labs that that do produce good quality stuff but that's not the majority of them
0: got it Edwin, any final comments uh, on any of this stuff? Fascinating.
3: I think that by and large, that when individuals like who are into in for an, for increase in hypertrophy or performance, or with the Z, with GLP ones, there's an inherent need to obtain some kind of physical change, and patients are going to try to find whatever they can. It's important for us to be able to drive them to vet, vetted, uh, uh, quantifiable, and 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 Approved medications that are actually contain uh, what we what we know them to actually contain. I didn't even really even think about it until uh, Doctor Escalante mentioned that even SARMs purchased somewhere else, we don't necessarily know what's in them. And with patients, their their need to hopefully obtain their goals sometimes shadow their better judgment and could potentially put them in harm's way. So. Uh, it, whether it be weight loss, whether it be muscle growth, having at least given them the knowledge, given them the, the comfort of knowing that you can have an open conversation with me about either or is probably the most important thing. Because if they don't feel comfortable, they can talk to the professional. They know they can talk to, you know, the boy who's pushing 450 in the corner over there. I know he'll talk to me and I know he'll tell me something. I don't I, I would rather than come to someone like us instead of someone like that, not judging that person. But we're going to be coming from evidence-based purposes and, and quantifiable data. And that's what's important for the patient and for the athlete and for our, our clients. Any final words, Tony? No, I learned a lot. I, I, I'm definitely hesitant to do any SARMs, anything with
2: really sounds name-wise like a radioactive isotope. And somehow bypasses a million years of evolutionary digestion. Okay, <laughs> if you're putting a peptide that makes it through a sub-two pH, I'm out, man. Yeah, but this was fascinating. I these are areas I know nothing about. Uh, even the, you know, the the therapies, uh, TRT, and also learned a good deal. And I think this is extremely helpful for those who have an interest in health, body composition,
0: training, and even just looking better. Hey, uh, Dr. Davila, Dr. Escalante, tell the audience where people can find more information about you if they want to reach out to you, Dr. Davila.
3: Uh, So best way to get a hold of me right now is through email. My email is edwin.davila.23 at gmail.com. Apparently, I'm on Instagram. I still don't know how it works. (laughs) I I put things in (laughs) there. They're they're there. Um, I. We'll be working in San Antonio probably the next year with the, with the WellMed group, but um, best way is is email and Instagram, and I'm trying my best to, if anybody has any questions more in terms, and there's going to be even more questions, there's a new medication that just came out. I I joke you not, a brand new GLP-1 GIP glucagon tri, tri um, uh, medication that actually is beating all the ones that are right now, and that's become, wow. it's, it's the latest. Right now, phase two trial saying 24.2% overall loss of body weight. These Damn. things are not going anywhere, and the more we talk about them, the more we we know about them. Because we know people are going to be taking them. So please, email Instagram.
1: What, hey. What's your Instagram handle, uh, Doctor Davila? How do I know that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know how that works. Like, like you know, well, I'm telling mine. Go to your Instagram, and then, <laughs> and then and then you and then whatever your name is, that's your Instagram handle. On Instagram. Oh, I'll be damned. Okay, my wife made it for me, so uh, it says
3: dr davila underscore do there you go so dr. It's
1: at dr davila underscore do underscore do wow well, so now in that. the future you know how to market yourself on instagram <laughs> so <laughs> mine is my instagram handle is uh spelled out at dr g fit so spell out dr uh dr g fit and not just dr dr g fit all one word uh and then uh that's probably the best way to get a hold of me uh, you can also find me on uh, you can Google me pretty easy and you can find my contact information at the university. That's pretty easy to do as well, but I'm definitely on Instagram, uh, or even Facebook. You can find me on, on, uh,
0: on all of those. Well, gentlemen, this has been fascinating. It's been a fun conversation. I Great appreciate your time. good doctors and, uh, Hey, enjoy the rest of the week.